Hi everyone, uh, welcome to Made of Things. I am your host, Antonio Maria Correa. This is episode 10, and uh, this week we have the wickedly talented... Uh, no, not Adele Dazim. Uh, I'd actually love to have Adele Dazim on the show. Uh, do you think that's that's possible? <laughs> uh, please tweet out to Adele Dazim that she should do my show. Hashtag Dazim on MOT. Hashtag Dazim on MOT. That sounds like a song title, I think. Uh, okay, no, but uh, we have the wickedly talented young person who is Tobias Gesso Jr. You might have noticed, and uh, it would be a good sign that you did, that last week the show did not come out. This is because I had severe audio problems with my recorder, which is now in the shop. So they got me a new one, uh, a temporary one. So this is something kind of new. So I hope you guys can hear me all right. Basically, my recorder simply stopped doing what it was supposed to do, which is to record. Um, Sometimes things stop serving their purpose, I guess. And not everything needs to have a purpose, but most things do, uh, especially objects. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that most things are made of purpose. I certainly hope I'm not burning any bridges with that statement. So on the show this week, we have Tobias Gesso Jr., who put out his great debut album called Goon earlier in the year. Tobias is a Canadian songwriter living in L.A. and is definitely one of the best piano-playing songwriters of recent times. I caught up with him at Primavera Sound in Barcelona this year, so this is actually the second episode of the Primavera series. Am I allowed to say Primavera series? Of course I am. It's my podcast. I bought it. Full price and all. But it is also your podcast. I'm loaning it to you. Please hand it back when you're done. Or don't. Please keep it forever. Close to your heart. And since it's your podcast as well, you can change the name of the thing about Primavera I'm doing and call it Primavera something. The Primavera something. I'm not too sure how you can change the name of the thing, but please do. It would be a nice surprise in the morning for me. This week's episode also marks the first time I've had a co-host on the show. There have been participations of other people, especially in the Mike Watt episode, and there will be more. I am currently in a condition in which I can announce publicly that there will be more people talking. Again, I hope I'm not burning bridges, but building bridges instead. I have no skills whatsoever at bridge building or any sort of engineering, so please do not use these bridges as they are most likely unsafe and using them would be ill-advised. But Tobias spoke to me and my friend uh, Vera Rodrigues, who has a show on Portuguese radio called Jailhouse Rock. It was great having someone else on, whom also enjoys Tobias's music and I think it really added to the conversation. So Tobias was lovely and came out to talk to us after the show. Actually, this is technically incorrect as we came in to talk to him, but still. This is relevant for a couple of reasons. Uh, Tobias played the Pitchfork stage in Barcelona and we recorded this episode backstage at the Pitchfork stage. Uh, But this only happened because of the help of a good friend we made that night uh, who was a brilliant writer for Pitchfork magazine or Pitchfork the website or Pitchfork the entity. I don't know, uh, you know, but for the sake of privacy, I will not state his name uh, on the podcast, but here is my deeply sincere thank you to him. Also, there was a bunch of people who have been on this show before, so they are actually friends of the show, such as Christoph Mineral, who was on the show the last episode, and uh, Ishmael and Tendai of Shabazz Palaces, 
uh, it was great to hang out with the guys for a bit again. And uh, also Mike of Perfume Genius, uh, who was watching Tobias's show. We'll have more news on that in the next coming months, so please keep checking the podcast. But uh, this was also special because we got to meet Ariel Pink. Now, Ariel Pink is amazing, and I've been a fan of his for many years now, but Ariel is not doing any promo work anymore, so don't expect him to be on the show anytime soon, if ever at all. So getting to have some alone time with Ariel is something of an event to be recognized, you know? We talked for about 10 minutes, which in Ariel Pink time is about half a year, and uh, he was apparently very concerned with not having his iPhone charger and being a bit left to the wolves, so to speak. Uh, there were there are no literal wolves uh, in Barcelona, as far as I know. At least at Primavera Sound. There might be in Barcelona, actually. But back to Ariel Pink. Uh, he was cool with talking to us for a while, but let me tell you guys, he does not want to be interrupted while going about you know his business. So please don't do that. You know, Watch, you know, Ariel passing through and, uh, you know, from a distance and uh, just accept that he's great, you know. So, okay. Okay, you do that, okay? It's a promise. <laughs> you, don't, I, you don't owe me anything. <laughs> do what you want. That's some, you know, some advice. <laughs> Back to Tobias. Uh, it was quite evident that he was still processing the show in his mind, having played for, you know, a big crowd and the first time playing outdoors... So I want to point out that, again, Primavera Sound is an amazing festival because not only does it make you feel, you know, very close to the artists, both performing on stage or just hanging about off stage, uh, which happens a lot at, at Primavera, but also the festival holds an incredible amount of amazing shows, many of which are first-time events or even one-time events. Primavera Sound sets a stage, uh, I mean this literally and figuratively, for artists to hold uh, reunion shows or maybe even play their only show in Europe there, or playing for the first time in different circumstances, uh, which was the case with Tobias. You know, so here's a thank you to Primavera Sound on my behalf. So let's get to the conversation. And, um, oh, by the way, we, we actually talk a lot about the Heim girls um, with Tobias Gesso. But let's go backstage to Pitchfork at Primavera Sound. Vera and I spoke to Tobias Jesu Jr. So this will be on. This is cool. Uh, okay, so at the moment, this is Tobias. Uh, I'm Antonio, obviously, because you're listening to this, because uh, I'm using the whole thing. So, and Vera, you guys hi. say hi. Hi, I'm Vera. Hey, Tobias Chester Jr. here. So we're doing this for Super FM and uh, Made of Things podcast. Oh, great. Which is my new thing, which is actually launched today with Mike Watt. Okay. So, of uh, Minutemen and Stooges and Firehose. Oh, cool. So there you go. Right on. So we just, you just walked off the show. Yeah. How was it for you at, uh, over here at Movera? Man, it's really stressful before I go on. And once I'm on stage, uh, a little bit of the stress goes away. But uh, it was kind of worst case scenario, you know, when I started out. It was sort of technical difficulties for the first 10 minutes. But uh, after that, I was glad to see that people stuck around. So uh, it was good. Yeah, I felt all right by the end. You know, the beginning was a little shaky, but that's just to be expected. 
I don't, I, you know, I don't consider myself too much of a performer. I, I like to think of myself more as a songwriter. Um, but uh, you know, you got to get out there and play those songs for the people who like them. So um, I was happy to see that was the biggest crowd I ever played for. So yeah. Oh, it's, it's like win the ultimate litmus test. Like yeah. they stick around. Well, when I went to sound check, they said the wind was a problem. Um, because the piano was tilted, the, the sort of um, top of the piano was tilted towards the audience, so the wind would sort of culminate there and get into the microphones. So they put those little foamies on the front of the microphones. Um, but yeah, I mean that was the main situation. <laughs> I think starting out, once I once I started playing, there was another band playing, sort of a hardcore band or a punk band. And uh, when I started playing, I think they tried to bump up the volume, but it caused some feedback. So, so that's sort of what you guys were hearing in the beginning. It's tricky with pianos though and acoustic stuff, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I, I guess today would have been electric piano preferred, mm. but for the most part, you know, I've played pianos in Europe because when they are available. That's the best thing to play. I'm used to playing, you know, churches and small rooms, though. So at a festival where there's a big stage and a lot of people, it kind of changes the whole thing. As uh, some people behind me were saying, "Oh, he carries around that piano throughout Europe," and I was saying, "That's not possible. He's probably yeah, like no, just uh, speaks to someone like in locally no, usually." I carry it on my back now. No. Oh, <laughs> In your pockets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. No, I. it shows up on the stage. That's the beauty about playing piano around Europe is you don't really have to show up with anything. You just show up with yourself and say, where do I play, you know? I've played a lot of different pianos in Europe, stand-up and, you know, Yamaha, Steinway, and all the different kinds. And uh, I'm not too picky, so that's good. But, um, but you do have a favorite one. I mean, my favorite one is anyone that I'm... No, I don't really have a favorite. My favorite is just like if I'm feeling good, I'm more concerned about my singing voice, you know, being uh, warmed up or something. So when I get on stage, it doesn't really matter what piano I'm playing. It just matters sort of if I'm feeling it in the mood or something because I've played some great pianos where I haven't felt uh, totally ready to play them. Um, you know, when I started playing piano, it was to a pretty terrible piano out of tune I think the demos are all sort of very out of tune and stuff like that when I started recording and stuff um, like a lo-fi-ish vibe in terms yeah, of the piano right exactly lo-fi and stuff so to get on these masterfully tuned pianos that are you know multiple thousands of dollars <laughs> and then to attach my voice to those which I don't feel is um Uh, deserving maybe up to par or something then I, I feel a little bit more insecure about it but it's nice to have an instrument that can play itself and I find that the older the piano you know the easier it is to hit down a key or something those are the ones I prefer you know the newer ones that are really sort of trebly and um, I don't know how to describe it tingy I guess you know something that's Ting, ting, you know, something like that. It's harder to get in the vibe with those because they don't have as much character. Sure. And uh, the quality of the wood, like the yeah. years in the wood, speak for themselves. Same kind as of. guitars. Same as guitars. I've played some great guitars. I played some terrible guitars. And uh, you know, for the people out there, having a really nice piano that's tuned well, I mean, that's got to make a bit of a difference. But for me, playing it. Um, 
you know, if a piano sounds really bad, I feel like my voice might sound better. Sure. You know? And people go, oh, it's the piano's to blame. It's not his voice, you know? And when the piano's perfect, they go, ah, his voice is out. Something like that. You don't, you don't have to look for excuses, though. You're fine, dude. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's okay. It's, I don't understand. Confidence is fine. You're a wonderful co- composer, yeah. dude. So, seriously, it's really, really... Ob- I mean, it's kind of obviously good. You know, it's. I, I think even to non-trained ear, uh, to a non-trained ear, like, you're very good. Like, Hollywood is obviously awesome, you know? Well, the problem I have is that uh, I've spent maybe the past... 12 years of my life writing songs. I feel very comfortable writing songs. Um, that's something that, for me, is is the the end of my craft, you know, the songwriting. And when I translate that to performing, I haven't been performing that long. I've only been performing since the demos have come out and I've uh, had the project Tobias Jester Jr. Um, so when I'm performing the songs, I feel like all I'm trying to do is do the songs justice. And if I sing out of key, or if I sing, you know, the wrong lyric, or or whatever the case may be, I, I feel like I'm not doing the songs justice because that's what I believe in, and that's what makes me feel confident is the songs. But um, the performing, the singing, and the playing is a random thing. I know a lot of people see the value in that as, um, you know, they get to see the mistakes or they get to see the difference between a recording and live. Um, And I understand that because I've been a fan of music for a long time and gone to see shows and seen people, you know, uh, maybe perform not as good as the recording, but still they're in my presence and I feel like there's some connection there or something. Um, But... The majority of me being on stage is feeling like I, I just don't want to disappoint people because they're a fan of the song, they're a fan of the recording, and is my performing as good as what they're expecting? What do you feel like that? Like that if the, uh, the emotion is in the right place, like if it, that it's okay, or are you like as a as a as a as a not a user but as a spectator, as a, as a viewer or as a listener, are you a mistake hunter? As a fan, I'm all about emotion. I'm all about uh, do I trust what this person is saying? Is it real? Is it something that uh, they're really experiencing or they have felt? Um, but as a player as a performer I feel like you know that's obvious to me I've, I've written the songs based on my personal life um, so nothing on it it's abstract right no I mean no I'm very simple <laughs> you know and extremely don't. specific as well yeah. yeah very specific very simple um, and um, that's just the way I write you know I'm not much of a uh, I don't have a, a, a sort of metaphor way of speaking or a, or a you know abstract I guess way of speaking that takes different things into the equation I, I, I just hit to what I'm actually thinking and, and um, but yeah but to get back to it when I'm performing it it's it's all about am I doing it justice to what these people are expecting because when I'm on stage it's not something that I feel I'm great at it's not something I feel that I'm um, deserving of the audience 
so uh, it brings a little bit more of the insecurity into play. I get very nervous before I go on, and when I'm on, it's a different story because okay, these this amount of people is here, so I might as well do the best I can for these people. But beforehand, it's always a guessing game, questioning how many people are really going to be there, or how many people really want to hear it, or are they just here for you know, are they just passing through? Uh, because it's harder for me to focus on the amount of people who are standing there and waiting for me to play music than it is for me to focus on the people who are walking away or leaving the festival or, you know, just passing through. Those kind of things, you know. And um, I guess that's my own fault. You know, I should have a better outlook. But uh, as a songwriter uh, who doesn't feel as confident playing as I do writing, um, you know, it's tough because... If I was to, if you were to say, hey, you're going in the studio with so-and-so, are you ready? I would say, hell yeah, let's go. Let's do this. If you were to say, hey, there's 20,000 people waiting for you to perform. Are you ready to go on stage? I would say, hell no. You know, I can't do that. I'm not ready for that. And uh, it's just a matter of time and a matter of what I believe. Because I believe in my song writing, and I believe that there's a way to translate those songs, but I don't fully believe that I'm capable of delivering the, 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 the songs the way they're supposed to be heard on stage. But isn't that fragility, I think? Fragility, that's what yeah. That creates that empathy with you and your public. Well, empathy, I don't know if that's something you want to look for as a performer, you know, empathy. Because yeah, that's something that... People do connect with you because you're so sincere. And that uh, when you're nervous uh, for a show, you know, people don't really care because that's part of who you are and we get it. And if I was in the audience, I would say the same thing. But being on stage is a different story, you know? Yeah. But I, I can only uh, say by, you know, my, my, my perspective because I was down there. Yeah. You know, and all, all all the people who were there and listening to the the poor sound that was at, at the beginning, we didn't really care. Maybe if it was another performer that had another a different attitude, different lyrics, different you know any everything, maybe people would just went you know would go away and I don't care about him. But people do care about you, so well, I need to start listening to people like you then <laughs> okay. to get a different perspective on okay. my art. You know, people stuck around. I mean, yes, yeah, no, I know, and you know, I see that that was the biggest crowd I've ever played for so I'm thankful to everyone who was there and I'm thankful to the people who invited me to play and everything like that but I can't ignore the fact that before I go on stage I'm thinking man am I going to disappoint someone are people going to walk away or anything like that you know that's a common fear I think people have it's tough to talk about especially when you're trying to progress And have bigger crowds and things like that, you know, like because the next time I come here, if I had a smaller crowd, would that make me more comfortable? Yeah, probably. Right. Would that be what would be best for my career or what I wanted for my career? Probably not. But uh, you don't get to uh, feel what's best for your career. You know, you have to feel what's best for you and what makes you the most comfortable. And in the situation that I was in, it was very much... This is the first time I've played for this kind of audience, outdoors, uh, you know, with this, the sound outdoors and the piano outdoors and the people who are just, you know, listening to three other bands while they listen to me. 
is it going to translate that well? You know, these are all fears that I'm sure experience can help. Yeah, sure. You will always face now uh, and forward. And the next time I play a festival like this, it'll be more easy. Yeah. Because I've already played it. it. I've been through it. Yeah, exactly. And it'll be easier. But, but, um, you know, starting out as a as a new artist, you have a a whole system of new things you're experiencing every single time you're playing every single time I play a venue that has you know um, a sold out crowd okay that's a different thing that I'm used to or a venue that has uh, somebody in the audience who's a reviewer for a magazine or um, a, a venue that's outside or a venue that has more people than I've ever experienced. You know, these are all firsts that I'm experiencing and I'm sure once you get to the point where you've experienced it all, then you go, okay, this is just like that or this is just like this other experience I had and it's easy to relate and go, well, I made it through that so I'll make it through this but, you know, leading up to those situations it's really hard to feel like um, I've never experienced this before. I wonder how it's going to be. Because I didn't know, you know, going in. And I don't feel sorry for myself. I don't mean to feel that way. It's, it's, it's more of a situation that's just... It's um, a thrill, but at the same time, it's a known unknown place. An unknown, yeah, exactly. And everyone always says, you know, the only way to be successful is to face your fears and meet opportunity with preparation of course and I feel like um, <laughs> I don't know how to say you know like sometimes it's like the opportunity is there am I prepared and the only fear that I feel is within myself am I prepared enough to play for a big audience am I prepared enough to play outside am I prepared enough to look at an audience you know in, in the daylight and see them reacting to my music or walking away or passing through or any of these things and these are all real feelings that I feel as a new artist but I think that will follow you your entire life because if we talk five years yeah. you know in five years again and I hope we do uh, you will say you know, the same thing but about other fears about about other things that you're experiencing and you will go on and on and on exactly uh, you know facing first times exactly and that's as exciting as it is scary yeah and when, when, when you see something that's that's scary do you like even if you think that you're not prepared do you just face it like and just go forward no 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 I complain <laughs> to my management <laughs> you know I say why am I here what am I doing here I shouldn't be here all these things you know and they get the brunt of it and they're really good at saying <laughs> okay you know this is the whatever show and blah 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 you're in you know wherever you may be and uh, just get through it and you're going to feel good about it at the end of it and stuff like that but yeah definitely I, I feel like why the fuck am I here you know like how did I end up here like what do you want from me yeah exactly yeah it's like why, do you, why am I in this position where I feel so fearful or so anxious or stressed about what I'm doing um, should I back off should I be less successful um And I'm not saying I'm so successful because there's many people out there. No, I'm just saying there's many people out there who have those careers who, you know, their song gets on the radio and they go from playing 100 people to, you know, 5 billion people or whatever the case may be. And I'm not there. It's not that. It's just the situation of being put in a position that you haven't been in before um, and feeling like 
especially for me, I play the piano and play the guitar on stage by myself for now. And I'm on my own with no support. So that has to be a conscious decision, right? It's a conscious decision as much as it is a financial decision. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? So yeah. I said yes to it uh-huh. uh, based on the financial situation. Hey, do you want to be in debt? Or hey, do you want to go do this? Okay. Let me go do it. And then I end up there two months later and go, why am I here? You know, I wish I was in debt with the people around me who could support me, you know? That's, I wouldn't be alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least... Like, uh, like uh, Daniel Haim? How did yeah. that come up? Oh, yeah. With the Haim girls? I mean, okay, so... The Haim girls... Um, that situation that, like, you, you played uh, on Conan with, yeah. like, an orchestra and Daniel Haim at uh, yeah. drums, yeah. that would be the perfect scenario for a tour, no? <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah, if Daniel Haim was free enough now. Yeah. She's not, though, you know. And are, are, are they as cool as they seem? Because they seem like the coolest people ever. If they seem right. like the coolest people ever, they are ten times that cool. Like, I met... Danielle and Alana and Esty, they came to my manager's birthday party and they brought a magician to do like magic tricks. And I remember watching the magician and being like, I don't believe a thing this guy's doing. And I kept on calling him out and saying, the card's right there or that kind of thing you know like I would try That's to magic but okay yeah I would try I would try to That's disprove it trick, but I would try to disprove it <laughs> and then afterwards we all hung out and we were drinking and me and Alana and Danielle and Esty were all just telling stories and I remember uh, Danielle saying hey do you know I'm playing drums on your song tomorrow because the you next day know? no I had no idea the okay. next day I was well because her boyfriend was recording me uh. and um She was like, I'm playing drums on your song tomorrow. And I was like, whoa, because I was a huge fan of them at the time. And uh, so we went in and we recorded Without You, which was the song she played with me on Conan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was there to play drums. It took like, you know, three, four hours, if that. And it was recorded and done and I left. But I just kept in contact with the girls. And one after the other, if you have any time to spend with them, you'll just fall in love because Alana, Danielle, Esty, they're all completely different personalities and completely different, you know, women in their own right. But what they do together is unbelievable and who they are as people apart is just incredible. Yeah, they played uh, last year in Portugal yeah. at the Primavera Porto. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to just pick up on this and ask you, uh, when will you come to Portugal? We need you there. You have like Please. Huge Uh, mountain yeah. fans there. Please let me come. <laughs> like, like, Get me there. One of the one of the main reasons, like that, this is top priority for us. Yeah. That like we have the whole the, the like the whole the whole uh, you know the, the writer section loves you. You know. If you think I'm there booking my own tours and and planning out my own thing, you're wrong. You know. I don't see that until I'm on stage, which is why I'm like, why am I here? You know. And maybe I'd be in Portugal going like, what? What's going on? There's too many people or whatever. But you know, that's very much. A management type of thing and um, I want to make it to Portugal I want I want to be there for anyone who wants to hear the songs that's it and now I got a band and maybe we can make it to Portugal maybe we can do that 
like, matter of time, dude. Because there's there's demand. Uh, don't don't you? But worry. Heim, let's get back to Heim. Those <laughs> girls. I saw them uh, since, since you're uh, on Heim. Uh, like because um, they played uh, Barcelona uh, last year as well. Because because yeah. uh, Primavera they did Porto in Barcelona and they were. Uh, I watched a little, uh, like half of their show and they were just passing by and I was like totally in love like even for no reason. Like I mean, apart from the awesome show, I mean, was like, oh come on, this is amazing. Those girls put out. I had dinner with them when I was in London maybe a week ago mm-hmm. and um, someone came up to me and said hey Tobias I saw your show blah 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 you know London I said oh thanks man and he turned and saw Esty and was like Esty hey how's it going you know like I, I could see the fandom that was going on and And as soon as he did, I was like, I remember being there. I remember listening to their songs and being like, oh my god, I'm such a fan. It's it's different when you meet the people and stuff like that. But if I can say truthfully, if there's any single band that's lived up to the hype of who they are as people, the, the, the amount of respect I had for them as musicians and people and artists and, 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 and their personality and their humor and everything and like that. In, and in a time that their their sound is not specifically trendy yeah. because they're like a mix of the the Wilson sisters and Nick and Stevie Nicks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac uh, all the way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's not like a popular sound right now. And then they came to Porto and they totally saved the perf- the first day of the show <laughs> and, were, and everyone was, was like oh yeah. my god because they're like felines on stage and, and I hate to say yeah. and, and, and you know what I hate to say girl band because they're just a band you know like they're they're, they're they stack up against any they band dude there so exactly yeah, drums. <laughs> that's not planned I'm just saying like as a band they might be my favorite because if I Anytime I see them live, even if they're guesting on something at Coachella, I saw Esty mm-hmm. guest with um, uh, the guy who did Take Me to Church, Andrew, I think is his name. Um, what? Take Me to Church? Yeah, Take oh. Me to Church. You know that song? No, I don't remember actually. Take Me to Church. Okay, come on. Hey, no, his Andrew. name. No, no, his name's not Andrew. It, oh. As an artist, his name is. Uh, fuck, this is so embarrassing. Because I and met him and I loved him. For me too. He's such oh, a, I don't know. No, he's such a nice guy. Um, it's something really obvious, and we're not getting TV there. Church. Yes. Want me to Google it? Well, yeah, yeah sure. If anyone has, has, has access, no, there's no excuse these days. You know, just you know. his name. No is, one has has any memory anymore because we all have, you know, Google access to Google. Exactly. <laughs> if you look up, take me to. Anyway, she guested with him at Coachella, and I was like, every time she came on, they were doing a cover. I was like, oh my god, I just love this. They're so amazing. God, I'm amazing, and I've. Being in a room with them playing piano where they've all just been riffing off of different melodies and things, and there's nothing that will make you feel more insecure than being in a room with Haim trying to play music. Hosier? Hosier! Oh, Hosier, okay. yes! Okay. okay, yeah, yeah. Sure. Exactly, fuck. Okay. I'm sorry, I, I, I do know that. Uh, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> I'm just normal. how you say sorry because it's like the, the Canadian accent. It's sorry, like oh, t- right, it's yeah. very telling that you're from Canada. I am from Canada. 
sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is that very right? I know yeah, some, some people can tell. Some right. Can, sure. Anyway, yeah, they're yeah. amazing. Yeah. But back to you though. Like for instance, um, uh, did the, have you Googled yourself? No, no, <laughs> no. That would be more Let scary than this. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So, no, you got it. You got yeah. it. No, honestly, when I was coming, when I first started, and uh, man, I love Perfume Genius. He's on right now. I'm gonna go check that out in a second. Sure, sure. But um, I meant to ask you because of Perfume Genius. Like the, the, before, before I totally this this uh, just uh, went yeah, went past me. You. Like uh, perf- uh, Mike was was Mike. watching you. Uh, he I interviewed him a couple of years ago. Uh, very sweet dude. Very sweet. Extremely sensitive. Yeah. Extremely beyond sensitive. But uh, but uh, in the in the best of ways. But like you're in a position like you're playing uh, facing the crowd on your own in such a, a delicate manner. Like and there. There's not a lot of people who do that, and Mike is one of them. Have you uh, con- uh, like uh, crossed uh, some sources, uh, you know, some impressions with him? In, we've been in touch over Twitter. Exchange experiences. Exactly. We've been in touch over Twitter. We haven't really sat down and said, oh. "Hey, what do you feel?" Uh, anything like that. I've just been a huge fan. I mean, when he plays in LA, I go. I just go because uh, since his first album, where he came out with those, you know, piano demos and stuff. I mean, I was a fan, and it's it's. It would be rude of me to say I didn't have his um, music in mind when I was doing my own demos and stuff like that because he was an inspiration. I, I mean, I listened to girls mostly and I was really into that band that's very public. Yeah. But Perfume Genius was somebody who I went like, man, I watched his interviews. I watched his like KCRWs and, and, and Q, you know, radio interviews and stuff and, and was like... You know, as much as maybe I, I am not the same person personally because everyone's themselves. You know, musically, when he was saying, you know, I just did something for myself, and and I was getting away from everything, and and it was you know all or nothing. I was just doing what I wanted to and speaking very personally and things like that. You know, that was a big inspiration for me when I was starting out um, to think about that stuff. I'd watched him. I'd been very conscious of who he was. So to have him watching from side stage when I'm on his... And, you know, to, and paying attention as well. And honor like, to say moment. the least. Yeah. To say the least. Sure. That's a huge honor for me. And... Very sweet. Yeah. Very, very sweet guy. And we've been in touch over Twitter just joke-wise, but... But what a good guy! Yeah. Twitter riffing then. Yeah. So, okay. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. And um, okay. Yeah. He wants to go. He wants to go. I need to ask you two more things if okay. you don't mind. Okay. Go for it. So okay. So uh, I was asking about Google because uh, okay. So because I have this podcast now called Made of Things. Um, um, people dedicate themselves to art uh, because something because uh, and to go through all the effort yeah. because something. Tri- uh, you know, some you listen to something or watch something that triggered something inside you, and which made you think, "Well, I want to dedicate myself to this, you know, forever." I don't so, feel like that was oh. very much my mindset. Sure. I th- I feel like I was trying a bunch of things, and when I finally gave up on trying, that's when it sort of finally happened. Um, yeah, in terms of Google and researching myself and things, that's a far gone era because. Uh-huh. When I started out, it was very exciting to get an interview, and now, uh, you know, a lot of positive and a lot of negative comes in the same waves. So, I try to keep up with the fans, the people who are asking for things, as you do, and try to respond and say, "Hey, 
this is the steps you need to take, but for the most part, um, I sort of let that to, to the people who can filter it for me and say, this is what you need to do, this is where you need to be, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I do understand the, the fans saying, hey, if you can get me in your show, I'm here from, you know, blah, 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 and I, I just want to see your show. I'll try my best. I'll do my best, yeah. Very, very sweet. Very, very, and you've been very accessible as well. Just, uh, I, I just wanted to ask you one last thing. Like, sure. okay, so your album being hugely biographical and extremely sensitive and and very and very pain ridden. Uh, are you okay, man? Right now, I'm very okay. You know, as I say to to people, it's just let me because you know uh, I I don't like this question because hey, <laughs> I'm sincere. You know, because it's like uh, they paint you like oh poor poor depressive guy it's just like every everyone gets through stuff like right. this you know it's that's, that's why I'm asking come on yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're living you know you Here's get like heartbroken it. you get uh, Here's you the way know. I can best describe it you go to see a comedian right yeah yeah a comedian talks about some very dark feelings in a funny way yeah he can say he's a funny man that's what he is he's a funny funny guy and he expresses his humor through the dark side yeah. saying you know this this is dark and this is dark and blah 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 but it's funny because I'm saying it and a, a, a common um, sort of perception is comedians being depressed depressed people you know people who are sad in their life and they do comedy for a living you know it's a very uh, juxtaposed way of living um, and for me I feel like I deal with the sad in my song. I'm a very positive person most of the time. I feel very positive for the most of my life. It's just easier for me to hone in and focus on those negative moments and express them in a way that's very concise and to the point because I don't express them very often and I don't feel them very often. So when I feel I'm sad, why am I sad? Maybe it's because she did this. Okay, how do I say that in a lyric form? How do I fit that into the melody that I've uh, made up right here? And something like, how could you, babe? Or without you? Or, you know, bad words to true true love to any of those things. It's, it's, it's being able to focus easily on something you don't often feel in order to express it in a way that everybody can understand, you know? You should totally do a cameo on Louis C.K. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> how, could you, how could you not? I mean, yeah. if possible. How could you not, babe? Yeah. <laughs> how could you not? How could you not, babe? Yeah. How could you not be Louis C.K.? <laughs> yeah, okay. How could you, Louis C.K.? <laughs> <laughs> but I was there was no prejudice in my in my question and I was asking earnestly I I, I you know I'm a very, if, I, I hope you're very doing awesome okay positive dude awesome. I'm I'm where I want to be you know I haven't gone through a breakup since the album so the songs are much different now than they were <laughs> but at the same time Don't you, you know it's I'm very, not talking about this bitch again and I'm so funny <laughs> here right now you know but you know at the same her. time when you have a bunch of sad chords how easy <laughs> is it to go what is sad about my life 
this situation, you know what I mean? This one situation that happened, somebody moved on, somebody, you know, did me wrong, cheated, or whatever. The so, it's a question, so it's a question of control as well. Yeah, of course. It's harder for me to focus on the positive because for me, the positive is all around, you know? And it's easy to say, I'm in Barcelona, I'm having a good time, it's Primavera, everyone's having a good time. It's way easier for me to go, wait, what's bad about my life? What is sad about my life? More poetic. Yeah, and it's more poetic, yeah. Exactly. Plus you're not the like-eyed peas. Right, exactly. <laughs> Where's the love? Oh, God. I get it. Oh, my, my leg is... Uh, <laughs> no. Thank you so much Dude, for thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Thank you so Thank much. You this was a stress. Great. This was a stress. It was hard to get in this interview. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you so I'm much for your time. The complications. Oh no! Please, please. And come to Portugal. Yeah, come to Portugal. We'll speak then. Thanks, man. So there you go. That was our conversation with Tobias Gesso Jr. I'd like to thank Vera. Uh, and um, wasn't that adorable, the, the whole conversation thing? You know, the whole conversation thing. It's a sort of an interview thing, but it's more like a conversation, I think. You know, that's what I want to get across. But um, guys, please follow me on... Follow me. You can follow me. But please follow Made of Things at Made of Things Pod on Twitter. Also on Facebook, uh, like our page and comment and do all those things. Please subscribe on iTunes and uh, follow us on Instagram at uh, Made of Things. And don't forget you can download the whole episodes at Made of Things Pod on WordPress. So the thing you have to do is click the. I'll 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 put up the explanation. You guys uh, stick around. Okay, uh, thanks a lot and see you guys next week. Bye.